0: You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado,
1: Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from 2 Peter 1, 8 through 16. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right for as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that putting off my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we are eyewitnesses to his majesty. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thank you, Jerry. Thank you for reading and, and um, bringing us to the word of God. We, um, we really do have a value Um. That's important to us. We, we value the wonderful journey and the work of preaching verse by verse through Scripture, through the books of the Bible. It is something that we believe in and want to do. We believe in this even when it's awkward. When we come to those passages that are difficult and, and awkward, we believe this is still something we must look at and pursue and the good news is that we really want to commit to this no matter how awkward or how difficult or how challenging it might be with certain passages because we, we all need all of God's word. We don't just want to look at the light <clears throat> and the fluffy parts of God's word that kind of make us, just remind us over and over again, God sees you, God's with you, God's with you. Yes, that's true. We want to celebrate that, but there are things we must read. There are truths we must work through and look at that we really, really need. And today is one of those moments that can be really awkward. And you're maybe thinking, wait a minute, I didn't really see anything that's really awkward. Well, this text, this passage that Jerry read is not necessarily awkward for you as the listener, but it's awkward for me as the preacher, It's good news that we preach what is next in the passage. It's good news and it's good for us that preachers preach texts like this that's even awkward for them so that we can look and evaluate and submit again to God's word and to God's ways. This is good news for all of us, that we all submit to what God has for us. Unfortunately, if we're honest, as we were looking through this text, I can assume that most of us in some way can recall to our mind someone who has posed or who has served as some sort of um, spiritual leader, pastor, speaker, who is so far away from being a really good, kind, godly shepherd. I'm sure almost all of us can recall someone even if you don't know them, but maybe someone you've been listening to, somebody you've read, somebody throughout history that just was not the Christ-centered pastor uh, that we need. The reality is that there are times that we might notice something is off with that person, something is off with that leader, and we don't really know how to discern. Is Is it just them is it is it just him that's off, or is it is it me? Or is it some bad burrito I ate for breakfast? Is it the temperature in the room? I mean, but something's off. And we know that. Like we've we've seen that, right? We've we've been there. How can we tell if what we read in our devotionals, listen? To in our sermons, who we watch online or listen to in the podcast. How do we know if that is a faithful, godly shepherd or if it's a wolf in sheep's clothing? How can we tell if it's really bad shepherding on their part or just perhaps me being in a rough place? So we come to this text. And we won't be able to answer all those questions that Jerry, from the text that Jerry read. But I pray that we do at least notice from this text some gifts, some the gifts of some of these attributes that should be in good and godly pastors. So you can see why this would be awkward for me, right? So I am joining you in this that we all would look for this in our life. I'm not at all asking you, though I know it would be natural for you to put the magnifying glass up right now at Jason Goings. And that's okay. That's part of this. But as I prepared this, yes, I'm evaluating myself, my staff, the elders, but also I'm evaluating myself as a receiver of a good shepherd who I listen to and who I want, and that's how I'm approaching it this morning. But we should do this. Before we think that Peter is just bragging here, and you'll look at the, we'll look at the text that where we're getting this from, before we just think, man, this guy's just full of himself. He's, he's focused so much on himself. Before we tend to give into to that temptation to think that way, we must understand the context. Because Paul did this some in his letters, and Peter is doing this here. They wrote to community of believers that they weren't currently living with they weren't pastoring they were writing back to people that they had ministered to or in some cases they wrote to people that they were on, in on their way to but they weren't currently in the communities with them so they're writing them these letters that would explain that help explain who they are to provide validation for the authority in which they are writing to them on behalf of Christ. Because what was happening is as they traveled and as they were doing the work of missionaries and, and also the work of apostles, they would travel and they would suffer and they would be imprisoned and and, uh, and and their influence would grow and their popularity would grow, but also would the skeptics. So wherever they went, there would be people that would come after them that would work to undo Their messages, they would undo it, first of all, by bringing sometimes an entirely skewed version of the truth. So they would come behind Peter, come behind the apostles, come behind Paul and and sort of distort what those preachers and evangelists and missionaries were doing. They would skew what the doctrine of salvation, salvation was. They would skew the idea of the kingdom of God in some way. But the other thing that they would do to undo this work is they would these people would come behind Peter and come behind Paul and they would work to try to discount and disqualify and cancel and create skepticism for who Peter and Paul and the apostles were so they would work to kind of promote their message and they would do that by trying to disqualify the message of Peter. So this isn't Peter just saying Look at me. This is Peter saying, you need to listen to me because this is what I've been after in my life. So in this part of Peter's second and final letter, what he's doing here is he he is addressing his ambition, his aim, his ministry practice that he is committed to. And he's writing that in this letter so that they would be aware of his intentions In this portion of 2 Peter, I want us to notice what a good shepherd looks like. I want us to look at some attributes that we see here that Peter describes that I think are extremely important, not only for them, but for us today, that we would look at these and go, okay... I'm going to be praying for that, evaluating that. And my goal is at the end of our time or my aim is at the end of this time that you would not necessarily just evaluate me, which is fine, but that you would evaluate anyone that you have a tendency to listen to and find yourself under as some sort of spiritual authority. And before we pray and really get into it, we need to understand why it's important here. It's important for Peter to validate because what's coming at, two reasons it's important. First of all, what's coming after this is he's going to start talking about some false doctrine, some false teachers, and so he's validating who he is, but also we see why it's important in the very first few verses that Jerry read here. If you remember last week, we, we talked about these these qualities of, of godliness that we should be aspiring or looking for in our life that we should be applying these qualities in our life, verses five through seven, and we should be seeing those in our life because those are what leads to godliness. And Peter knows the importance of it. We see it in verse eight. I don't know if you caught it, but before we get into attributes of the leader, let's just look at verses eight through 10 real briefly. Referring to those godly qualities, says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure... They will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so short-sighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from the former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and your election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail in this way. There will be richly provided for you an entrance into the kingdom, eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus, our Savior Jesus Christ. You see the weight there. He says if you're not seeing these qualities in your life, these godly qualities of verses 5 through 7 that we did last week, then you need to evaluate. Maybe you're blind. Maybe you're missing it. Maybe you're being led away from the kingdom of God instead of into the kingdom of God. And that's why in verse 12 he says, therefore, and then he gets into these attributes of what a godly shepherd should be doing and what a godly shepherd is. So let's pray that God would open our eyes to see this and that we would not run from these but embrace these. Holy Holy Spirit, illuminate us. I pray that we would shun the temptation to be legalistic, that we would, that you would steer us away from loose and sloppy living and that you would help us embrace pastors, teachers who are not loose and sloppy with the teaching of the word of God. So teach us now, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So what are these attributes of a good shepherd? I warn you, there are nine of them. You're like, what? I don't see nine here. There are. There are nine here. We're going to look at them pretty quickly. We're going to close our time with um, how we can apply this information. This is one of those sermons, one of those uh, ways of preaching that, that we mostly call informative. Uh, but there's a way to be informed and still apply. So first of all, an attribute of a good shepherd is what we see here in verse 12 A good shepherd has right and holy intentions. Verse twelve says, "Therefore, after talking about the warning and what's that we should possess these qualities." Verse twelve says, "Therefore, I intend always to remind you." There's something exact about that. You know, we talked about those qualities in verse five through seven. Though imperfect, a good shepherd will at least have the intentions that are true and right and holy to point us to these good qualities. A good shepherd has these intentions to point us there, not to himself, not to what he's building, but to these qualities, these things. Peter is saying here, I intend always to remind you. I intend Always to remind you this is right and holy. A good shepherd should have that intention in his ministry for our good. Notice what these holy intentions are. A good shepherd, number two, is reminding constantly of godliness. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. A good shepherd is constant in this, always reminding us of the good qualities. Even if it's unpopular, even if it's unwelcome, a good shepherd's not going to be pressured to say, Come on, Pastor, move on to something that'll help me love my dog more. No, a good shepherd will come and constantly remind us of God's demand and expectations for his people, constantly as a sheep, I can say this, we don't always want to travel through the rough terrains of our journey that help us to arrive at greener pastures. We want the shepherd and we expect the shepherd just to say, if you love me, pick me up and just put me in a green pasture. But that's not how shepherding works, is it? It's not how sheep are. We don't like the the rough road and the the crossing this and doing that. And that's why we must be constantly reminded of what it takes. The good shepherd has his compass set to the true north of what is happening in our souls and is leading the sheep to feast on what is good, regardless of how the sheep even feel. Right holy intentions and constantly reminding us Of godliness. Number three, the third attribute of a good shepherd that we see here is he is one who confirms trust in God. He doesn't assume it, he confirms it. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them. Think about that. Though you know them, And are established in the truth that you have. (laughs) Peter, move on. We get it. (laughs) No, no, no. Peter's like, I'm always going to do this. I'm always going to be confirming this. I'm always going to be reminding you of this. I'm going to be confirming what you say you know, what I hope you already know, what I believe you already know, but I'm going to make sure I'm confirming confirming. A good shepherd won't rest on what he taught years ago and assume that we all good, we all got it, done, move on. I think this is mostly because a good shepherd understands his own tendency to wander away. A good shepherd is one that understands how easy it is for himself to to slip away, to fall away, to forget the glorious promises of God, to be swallowed up by circumstances that we that we don't think about heaven. Sometimes, I think a good pastor understand a good pastor understands that a good shepherd understands that. So, not only does he want to hear it and receive it, he wants to make sure people can, are confirmed in their faith. Notice here that we see the good shepherd won't work to establish people in the most current cultural insights. He's not going to work to establish the people in the most popular authors or speakers or politicians or movements. Peter is working, he says, and intending to confirm that they are established in the truth. No matter what is spoken on the media out there and in our little holy huddles, a good godly shepherd is going to bring us back to the truth that we have in Christ. This means that this kind of shepherd must be determined that there is truth, truth to ground us, truth to establish us, which is the fourth indication of a good shepherd is a gospel-centered shepherd. That number four is this. A good shepherd is decisive about his calling. I like these simple words here. This phrase, I, verse 13, I think it right. That's good to hear from a good shepherd. This is what is Right. Really says a lot. This is a statement of determination that there is truth, that this truth is for us, that there are greener pastors, that there are still waters out there. Oh, how many teachers, how many speakers, how many pretend pastors only lead people to. More and more questions and skepticism and doubt. This is not good shepherding. It might sound like a very skilled way to teach, but it's not loving and good shepherding. There are many who think that they are so clever with their language And they provide the pithy comments that are out there that get you laughing or get you going, wow, that guy's got some insight. And really what they're hoping is just to trigger in us, oh, yeah, the word of God is confusing. It is weird. It's okay that I don't always get it. usually just leaves us there. Doesn't help us through it. Guiding us nowhere. Keeping us chewing on the weeds and the rocks. Oh, may we be ashamed if our people trust us to come hear us on a text and we are okay and satisfied, leaving them more confused than when they walked in. It doesn't mean that every time we're gonna hit a home run as shepherds and, and you're gonna get it every time you walk out, but that should not satisfy us. We should wrestle with that. A good shepherd is determined and decisive and thinks it right with conviction and with a fashion to say, I want you to come and drink deeper, eat better, which leads to the fifth attribute. A good shepherd leads us to drink deeply. Verse 13 I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder. You see a theme here? Sometimes it's not great that the pastor's so clever that he moves on to other things. Sometimes it's the most loving thing to do for a pastor to just keep bringing us to the cross, bring us to the cross, bring us to the cross. The good shepherd will lead us back to the bread of life. A good shepherd will bring us to the deep well that causes us to thirst no more, not away from it, but deeper into it. This requires constant reminding. It requires confirming trust and it requires that decisive calling, but it also requires the sixth attribute we see in a good shepherd. A good shepherd, number six, is focused and hardworking. Did you catch him saying that in verse 15? Verse 15, he says, I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. I will make every effort. Peter's saying, basically, though I'm not perfect, I can promise you I'm not going to be lazy. Peter says here he literally desires to make every effort so that when he leaves this life, he has no regrets, that he poured himself out for their good. The phrase here is spudazo, which means to exert oneself, to endeavor, to make haste, to be diligent. I like those words. We don't use those words a lot, right? We don't use words like endeavor. When's the last time you texted somebody, let's endeavor to get together tonight? It's weird, but it, there's some intentionality in that word, right? That's endeavor. It means we got to push things out. we got to remove this so we can do that, not just, hey, maybe we can connect tonight. Let's endeavor to do that. I like that. When's the last time you heard anybody say, hey, let's make haste and go to Walmart? (laughs) Maybe when there was a toilet paper shortage, we said something like that. Let's make haste, get to Walmart. This is an intentional expression of Peter here that I like, that there's something vitally important for you. And that is, that I make every effort, that I endeavor, that I make haste to teach you and to never stop striving to remind you of these things. I wanna read from Colossians. We read from this last week a little bit, um, but turn with me to the book of Colossians if you can. Um, Colossians chapter one. We're actually gonna start with verse 28. Listen to Paul's... um, Endeavoring here, his hard work, what he's committed to. Verse 28 of chapter one, it says, him, talking about Christ, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That's a lofty goal. How are we gonna get there? Verse 29, for this I toil struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Listen to why he's committed to it so much. Chapter 2. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and firmness in your faith. That is what a good shepherd looks like. Hardworking, endeavoring striving, making haste to do this. Good shepherds aren't those who just sort of casually hope that we just sort of slip into godliness. Man, I hope they get it. Good luck. No, they make every effort to keep reminding, to keep pressing in, to keep leading us to the well, to go deeper. They're not only intentional, but they're striving and making every effort to do this. And to do it, to the fullness of it. That leads to the seventh thing. We see here that a good shepherd aims for complete equipping, complete and exact equipping. Verse 15, back to Second Peter, verse 15, I, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, check this out, that you may be able at any time to recall these things. I'm giving my life, I'm working hard, I'm toiling to confirm in you the foundation so that you are not relying on me, that I can die and you're standing strong. Confirming to the completeness of, that's what Paul was saying in Colossians, this same thing, a good shepherd cares about helping people Move gladly to eternity with confidence and joy. I've mentioned this before, I'm gonna mention it again just because it's so relevant to what I dream for our people. Several months ago, I lay in the hospital, sat in the hospital with Gary Forsyth and I was there with his wife and Gary in a few days from that moment was gonna go be with the Lord He knew it, his wife knew it, and though he was sad for his wife, one of the things that he was sad sad about also is that we spend so much of our time talking about things that don't even matter. And he was talking about heaven and talking about how much he loved the Lord and how much, how much Jesus meant to him and saved him. He just wants everybody to hear that. He wants everybody to embrace that. That's what he wanted. And he's telling me that as his testimony. And the reason why I can bring that up to you is because I know that wasn't me in his life. I'd only been his pastor for a very short time. What I was hearing was this man got poured into. This man was ready and I said, this is what I want to give my life to. I want, I want more Gary foresights in this moment in their life to say, it's not about Jason. It's not about Peter. It's not about Paul. It's about Christ. It's not about the president. It's not about this. It's not about that. The economy, high gas price. what? Jesus. And I love that, that I sat there and said, this, this is it. This is the dream for every person that I come in contact with that one day they can be at this peace. This was Peter's dream. He made every effort so that even after his departure, his people would be able to stand. That's what good shepherding is. We don't have time, but you can write down Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. That's what a good shepherd is after. That passage where Paul writes in Ephesians that he wants this for them. Again, This is only possible for the long-term if the good shepherd's compass is set right. Which leads to the next attribute. Good shepherds are not gullible trend chasers. Verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths. This is huge. How unsteady and unstable we become when our shepherds get off course, go off the rails because they're chasing some new and shiny cultural trend that's hip. We go off the rails as people when our shepherds do that. It's easier on one level. I mean, let's just do what they're doing. Let's just copy this. Oh, I'm out of things to say or do, so I'm gonna to go to the bookstore or I'm gonna get the latest magazines or watch the, the latest YouTube video and say, this is how we're gonna do it at our church this year. What's selling in California or New York or in Nashville is not necessarily what God wants for his people. But actually, it's not really easier at all. It actually becomes more stressful First of all, it's more stressful for the shepherd because the shepherd always then has to keep up. He has to always measure up. He has to fit in. He has to keep the crowd. One of my friends, Matt, at our last church, uh, introduced me to the phrase that he was introduced a long time ago, and that is what you win people with is what you have to keep people with. If you're putting on the show, if you're putting on the latest trend, and that draws people in, oh, yeah, this pastor's hip. He's cool. He dresses like this. They do this. They have this. Guess what? Trends change, which means you always got to be changing. You always got to be hip and, and ready with the culture. And look at me. There is none of that. There definitely is none of that with Peter. He's like, it's not who I am. I'm not going to follow the myths. I'm not going to follow. Yes, this word sounds better for y'all. It's a little easier, but it doesn't lead you to greener grass. Good shepherds are not gullible trend chasers. It's stressful on them when they are. It's also stressful for the people because think about it. The leader who's chasing the myths and the trends has to sell that, has to promote it. Listeners get tired of always being sold something. Oh, here comes another trend. Okay, I thought it was this, but now I got to do this? Okay, now now I got to go, now we got to do it this way? Wait, I thought it was this way. Wait, now it's exhausting. It's like eating processed fast food. It just doesn't nurture us. Let's go to a better fast food place. And so they leave and go to another place that does it that way. Ultimately even if these first eight attributes that we looked at are mixed into part of a shepherd's life, if they lack this final one, their ministry won't last. In fact, I would say the first eight attributes are not authentically possible without this final attribute. A good shepherd, number nine, has personal experiences with Christ. Verse 16 for we did not follow cleverly devised myths myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. You see what Peter's doing there. He's saying we don't have to follow those things. Cuz we saw Jesus. Jesus is better. We don't need this because we experienced and encountered the majesty of Christ. So here's Peter with all the accusations, with all the doubters, with all the skeptics, and he needs to address. He's not bragging, he's not declaring that he is the one. He is declaring that there is one who is worthy. There is one that he has spent time with. There is one that he literally was an eyewitness of the power and the presence of, and that's Christ. It is vital that we have shepherds who love and rely on their fellowship with God. I don't know about you, but having the Holy Spirit dwelling in me since my childhood, and God bring me back to the scriptures and the truth. I don't know about you, but I've even noticed and can sense when somebody is speaking on behalf of God and they have never really have a relationship with him. There's something lacking. There's something missing. I don't know, if, not everybody I know, but I, I have attended and I've heard So many people who are evangelists, camp, pastors, famous podcasts, preachers that are duping the masses because they don't really know the one they speak of. Oh, they know a lot of trends. They know how to get a crowd. They know how to work up our emotions. But do they know Jesus. This isn't new. This is what Peter's saying here. We know his power. We're assured of his coming because we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Some of the examples that come to my mind are the stories, and you can look these up and read them. John and Charles Wesley, Charles Spurgeon. his When he was confronted about all that he had to do in a certain day, And he says, how do you even have time to pray and spend time with the Lord? And his response was, friend, I have so much to do that I must wake up at 4 a.m. to spend time with the Lord. For me, the influence of my life was the gift of a shepherd in my youth minister named Dana Matthewson. I've talked to him about him before. But when when he arrived, I don't remember how many people we had gathering on youth night. It wasn't many at all. But what I loved about him is he didn't care about being trendy or good looking or cool and what's hip. He brought us to the Word, and then he would sit himself with his very talented fingers and his very talented ear, but a very poor voice, and he would sit there and just sing to Jesus. And I remember watching that as a young kid saying, He knows Jesus. All this other stuff. Yeah, he can't shoot a basketball. He, he, I don't even know if I want him hanging out with my friends. But I want to bring my friends to him. He knows Jesus. Oh, to be shepherded by elders and pastors who love to spend time with the master. We can almost taste it when they teach and when they pray and when they talk. Yes, they're imperfect. Yes, they are just as needy as we all are. But yes, they rely solely on their intimate fellowship with God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. John Owen had all the book smarts in the world. He was in the elite crowd in the upper crust in when he was... Writing John Owen's a wonderful, wonderful man of God. The, the, the adverse of John Owen, the other side was John Bunyan, who didn't have hardly any education. And, they, and, and John Owen was constantly going to hear and reading from John Bunyan. And they said, why would you read from that tinker who, who doesn't even have any money? He was not even educated. And John Owen is recorded as saying, because he has been with the Lord. And I'd rather listen to him than any scholar any day. It's important. We would be wise to ask how we can apply this passage, this information that we have. And so real quickly, we'll close. Here's four ways you can apply all of this information that we just looked at. Number one, if it's not obvious, it will be in the next couple of chapters we look at in Second Peter. Avoid Selfish shepherds. It's blunt. Avoid them. We'll get to that later. But those pastors that are self focused, self serving, self absorbed, self inspired, self preserving, self promoting, avoid them. Number two, even though we're to avoid them, pursue kindness and love and the love of Christ. I say it this way, pursue kindness and the love of Christ. Don't pursue perfect men and women. If your expectation for your shepherd, especially after a sermon like this, is that they be perfect, you're pursuing the wrong thing. Pursue Christ. Remember who Peter was. He dealt with some pretty hardcore prejudice issues. Remember who Paul was, who John was, who Matthew was. And before you pick up that stone and just throw it at that shepherd, remember the cross of Christ and be kind. Thirdly, pray. We always hear the invitation, pray for your pastor. You know what I want to ask you to pray for? Pray for more good shepherds. Yes, pray for your pastor. Thank you. I hope you do. I need it. But pray for more good shepherds. If you don't like your pastor, pray for a good shepherd to come in and be that kind of pastor. Pray for more good shepherds. We pray this for our people groups when we pray each week. God, send people there that would shepherd them well. Pray for more good shepherds. Fourthly, praise God for the good shepherds. We don't do this enough, do we? It's easy to look at what's wrong and talk about that. Two ways that I want to encourage you to live a life that praises God for the good shepherds. One, spend more time praising God for what he has given us instead of just railing on the ones that have disappointed us. Evaluate that. Do I spend more time trashing people or praising God for the people he's given me? Praise God for the good ones. Secondly, I want to encourage you praise God for who He is and what He's doing, and do that in ways that send notes of encouragement. Maybe you have somebody in your life that was a good shepherd to you. Have you ever told them that? Maybe they're not alive. You you can write a letter to their children. You can write a letter to their parents. I wrote a letter this last week to a good shepherd that's been in my life. I didn't know how he'd receive it. I didn't know if he was gonna read anything into it. I just said, thank you for being faithful and true and good. And he wrote me back this week. I got it yesterday. It was just, it was again, thank you God for the good shepherds out there. You ought to do that. But we end Remembering that we praise God for the good shepherds. We don't praise the shepherds for the good shepherds. We praise God for them. He is the one that holds us fast. He is the one that's keeping a hold of us. He is the one that leads us to greater and greater knowledge of himself. He is the one who makes us stronger and is the strength that we need. He is the one that provides the victory in our life. And here's the weird thing about God. He does do that through his shepherds. So praise him. Let's go to the Lord now in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the people that you brought into our life. By name, Lord, you know who comes to my mind. I thank you for Dana. I thank you for Gary. I thank you for Andy thank you for charlie thank you for leroy patterson and al meredith these dear dear people so imperfect but they pour themselves out for others thank you lord we we ask for more in our country when we We wish we had better politicians and we wish we had better leaders. God, I'm begging you for better shepherds. We need it so badly. Help me to be a better shepherd. Help us all, God, pursue and give and work so that there would be better shepherds, even rise from this congregation. Lord, please do this work as you work to make us stronger and to give us victory and to hold us all our days. We praise you in Jesus' name.